Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Ben Milliken, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Before we start getting into um, Paramount's Mighty Oak, which you star and executive produce on, um, how have you been these past few months during COVID? Um, just personally, on a day-to-day basis, how has it affected you? And also professionally, in terms of um, projects, has that kind of been on stall across the board? Um, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting time to tell you the truth. I mean, at the start of this whole thing, it it was kind of the initial shock hit pretty hard, and then and then after that it was kind of, I don't know, it, it shifted into a time where it really helped me establish what my priorities were in life mm-hmm. and where my, um, yeah, priorities in life and kind of what really truly matters. And, and you know, I, I, I've been spending so much time with my family and I have a five-year-old son as, and, you know, we've been spending so much time together and the time that we've had together has been priceless. Um, so that has been really, really interesting to be able to be so present, um, in those relationships in my life. But, and on the work front, it was, you know, it's been, it's been a tough, tough, I mean, everything closed. Right. So, everything stopped for a while and it's, it's, it's kind of been really sort of interesting to see the whole world take a pause. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, on the flip side, like you said, being able to now devote more of that family time with your son is that's just, that's great. Um, It's invaluable really. Um, Yeah. Well, I want to touch on Mighty Oak because this is a pretty big project for you. You not only started it, but you also executive produced, which I believe this is your first executive producer credit. You've done a few um, producing things in the past, but this is, I believe, your first time executive producing. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about Mighty Oak um, and how it came about, since this isn't something that you know you're not only starring in, but this is something that you know you took a role in planning as an executive producer. So talk, walk me a little bit through the process and how this came about. Well, actually it did come come along in the traditional way this movie it came along um just i was hired originally as an actor i I auditioned for the role of darby um i got the role and i went and did the job kind of the same way as i would do any other job and then at the end i I became really close with uh one of the executive producers the executive producer frank reagan um Mm -hmm. I became quite close with him and and we would continually talk and um we started just to, we we just started vibing on what what we could really do to make sure that this movie had the best chance uh out there in the world so you know I was I was really able to help out on the back end there and that's when I kind of put the executive producer hat on there and helped out on the back end there um so it was it was cool because I never had to wear two hats at once. So right. I was able yeah. to show up as an actor, uh, do the job of an actor, and then 
kind of wrap that up and then do the executive producer thing. So that was that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's the for those who don't know, what is Mighty Oak about and how does your character fit into the story? It's a it's a family drama about essentially it is about a band. So uh, the character of Gina, um, who is played by Janelle Parrish, she is managing this band who is the lead singer is her brother, Vaughn. And, you know, I'm the drummer of the band. And, you know, we're just about to hit it big. And on the night we're about to go and play our biggest show yet in L.A. from San Diego, we get in a car accident. It kills the lead singer, Vaughn, Gina's brother. And um, basically it's a tragic, tragic accident. It splits the band up. Everybody goes their separate ways. And it's, you know, terrible terribly sad Mm -hmm. um you then cut to about 10 years later where you know everybody's doing their separate things and they come across this this kid and you know he's 10 years old but he can play and sing and has the same mannerisms and it's it's almost like he is this younger version of our old lead singer Vaughn so Gina gets in her mind that she's convinced that he is the reincarnation and sets things in motion the band gets back together we start playing shows again and start doing old things and so yeah that's basically the story um and it's a you know it's a movie about about you know loss a movie about love it's a movie about um family essentially mm-hmm. and how family isn't always necessarily what you're born with right. but you can then go and create family from mm-hmm. where you're at mm-hmm. it seems like such a you know it's such an aspirational message and something that i feel is so timely right now you know for it to have come out during um, you know, this uncertain time we're living in. And in fact, it, I believe, is the first original film that has hit theaters. Um, granted, there's very few theaters right now open in the country and across the world, but it is one of the first, if not the first film to be released during the pandemic. So how does that feel to sort of be that first original film that audiences across the nation and across the globe are able to be exposed to for the first time in months, really, since February or March. Yeah, wow. I, I, I never really thought of it that way. It was, it was more, I was really, I'm really happy that it was getting out there and, and, and people were getting to see it. I mean, I think due to the pandemic and all of that sort of stuff, it's actually reached a wider audience not because the movie isn't you know doesn't deserve a wider audience but because um because it doesn't get it hasn't been kind of drowned out by the by the bigger by the bigger titles so i think a lot more people have been able to see it and um i mean now it's available on digital everywhere right um which is great and and that's uh that's been really good. We've been getting some really great responses from people. People have been watching it and tuning in. It's, it's, you know, it's really exciting. It's, it's, it's a really great project to have been a part of, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. 
I definitely want to speak to what you just said. And it definitely, it, it seems like Paramount, which is behind this film, has taken advantage of this time by not only releasing it in theaters, but also drive-ins, which have seen a huge increase in popularity when the film came out. It started playing at over 100 drive-ins throughout the country. Um, yeah. What was the reception like for you? Like, what were people saying as the film was beginning to come out in June playing at those drive-ins that sort of um, made you feel like, you know, what you did was really something special. What has sort of the reception been like on your end since the film came out? It's been really, really positive. Um, It's, I don't know. It's, it's, there's something really cool about being able to go to a drive-in movie theater. There's something really kind of nostalgic and cool about that. Um, and I I feel really fortunate to have been kind of at the beginning of sort of the rebirth of, of the drive-in. You know, you know, yeah, you know what I definitely. mean. Um, it's been it's been a really fun experience, um, and the reception has been really positive. You know, people sh- people showed up and people cheered, and and you could hear people cheering in their cars and and stuff like that. So it's been. It's been really positive and really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you have a drive-in premiere when it first came out with the casting crew? There was or... there was a kind of a get-together down in, in San Diego. Um, nice. I wasn't able to make it down there because of the shelter in place and mm-hmm. everybody was, we were all staying home and staying safe. Um, so we weren't able to do anything, you know, officially but a couple of guys got together and and went down there and 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 did a little bit of a thing. So that was cool. Mhm. I have to touch on this cast and get sort of perspective from you on what it was like to work with really this is such a talented bunch. You mentioned Janelle Parrish, but also um Alexa Penavega, Carlos Penavega. Um you have Raven Simone. What was it like working with this group of actors? Was there anything you learned about um, yourself and your acting that you were able to transfer over to you or vice versa. This must've been a very talented bunch. It is a very talented bunch. Everybody, everybody on this cast was an extremely talented bunch. The thing about this particular group of people was the thing that I took away the most was from the moment we all got together, there was an instant bond between us all. Um, the chemistry and everything you see on the screen was real. You know, there wasn't there wasn't much rehearsal re- needed there to uh, establish relationship between us all because it was this weird thing happened. It was like. We sat around the table on the very first table read. Like, okay, this is supposed to be. We're we're together now, and it feels really right. So it was it was a great experience, and one of the, that was one of the things that I took away from this was the friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're all still friends. We we still talk. Right. So it's That's... it's it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Special group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to touch on, you know, your work behind the scenes. Obviously, many of your credits 
come from your acting portfolio. But like I mentioned, you executive produced Mighty Oak. You've produced other things in the past. Um, what what sort of is your, um, do you have a priority in terms of what you want to pursue long-term, whether it's acting or being more behind the scenes? What sort of role do you enjoy taking on the most on projects? I mean, acting is my first love. Yeah. Um, and it always will be. Mm-hmm. But I, but for me right now, I'm really enjoying this idea of, of taking a, a concept or an idea from kind of nothing into a finished product. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously creating content that I can, that I can star in and creating great projects. And I think it boils down to just that. It's just staying creative and, and making things. So that's what I want to do. Um, ultimately, I just want to make good projects with good people. Mm-hmm. I want to also touch on um, a film you did a couple of years ago, but has seen such a such success, and that is um, Sonora, The Devil's mm. Highway, which was nominated for 10 Ariel Awards, um, which is sort of, I guess, Mexico's equivalent um, to the Academy Awards here in the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was it like, not only, you know, shooting that film, and I guess you could touch on what the film's about and your character also, but also to see that success immediately after the film's release and receiving not only warm reception from the critics, from audiences, but also from, you know, your peers in the industry and being, you know, nominated and receiving accolades. That must have had to have felt pretty special. It did. It felt really special. That film, that film was an extremely challenging film to film. Um, Mm. We were on location in the Sonoran Desert every single day for two months. Um, And that desert out there is one of the most brutal, harshest terrains that I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different variables. And I mean, you've got miles and miles of sand dunes, and then you've got other parts that are miles and miles of you know volcanic rock and just red desert and cactuses and all sorts of craziness and this the sun is just beating down on you all day and um you know it really took a lot out of everybody to create something that is so visually stunning in that film and i mean the performances in that film are you're dealing with as far as Mexican cinema goes in that film, you're dealing with kind of Mexican royalty in a sense, you know, the people in that movie are some of the best actors out of, out of, out of Mexico and, and seeing them work was, was, was phenomenal. Um, and basically it is, the movie's about, it's based on a book. Um, and the movie's about, it's set in the 1940s where, along the Sonoran border with Sonora and um, Arizona, uh, the president Hoover at the time started to close the borders. These are all real events. Mm -hmm. And then 
also at that time on the Mexican side, there was a extremely large Chinese population living there at the time. Mm. And Mexico started to kind of kick them out of, of Mexico. And then it's kind of, you had Americans kicking the Mexicans out of America, then the Mexicans kicking the Chinese out of there. And everybody's kind of this, this chaotic kind of vibe. Um, and then you have this group of travelers that are determined to get to one of the only refuge states, which was uh, Baja California mm -hmm. at the time. And then they couldn't use the roads because the American border was closed. So the only way to get there was across the Sonoran Desert. Mm -hmm. And basically it's a film, it's a drama that is based around, you know, humanity and survival at its, in its rawest form. Um, and my character is, I pay, I play an American uh, bootlegger who's mm -hmm. on his way back up from the coast with a truck full of uh, illegal tequila to smuggle back into the U S mm -hmm. and we get uh, me and my, my buddy, we get stranded out in the desert and this group of travelers, they, they pick us up and, and help us along the way, but we're, we're not the, we're not the nicest of guys. So right in that movie. So, you know, well, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Making it was, it was a, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. And it's on Netflix now, I believe it, um, across the globe, which is great. That... Yes. Yes. Across the globe on Netflix. Um, and I think in the U S it has a different outlet, but, uh, everywhere else on, on Netflix, everywhere yes. else in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think Pantea. I, I think yeah, that's Pantea, the name of it. Pantea here in the U.S. You can stream um, Sonora, The Devil's Hideaway. That's that's awesome. Um, I want to also, um, because we, we talked about you behind the scenes, and I want to touch on your directorial debut um, recently, which was Lake Alice, um, mm -hmm. and the writer was Stevie Jane Miller. So talk to us a little bit about um, Lake Alice and was this something that Stevie sort of approached you about possibly directing was this something that you knew Stevie was writing that was a story that you were interested in how did this sort of partnership come about in making this film well essentially what happened there is I I uh I knew the producer which um which was uh I knew the producer Scott Miller and um we were chatting and he said I have this script um let me know what you think about it. And we need a director. And I, I took a read of it and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I had been looking to direct a film and, and I, I, I wanted to take that leap. Mm -hmm. So I read the script and, and then jumped in and, and, and that was, that was the beginning of that experience. It was, it was a really eye opening experience for me because I had never directed a feature film before. Right. Um, I had directed shorts and things like that, but directing a feature film was, was its own beast. And, um, you know, it was one of the greatest experiences. It was a really big learning experience for me. Um, I learned, it was like going to film school, you know, mm -hmm. all over again. I learned so much about telling a story. I learned so much about just even, 
I learned so much about the craft of acting from that as well. So it was such a valuable experience for me uh, directing that film. Yeah, definitely. And you you said it felt like going to film school again. So did you go to film school during your college days? I, I didn't go during my college days, but I had done, you know, numerous, numerous separate like courses and things like that. And uh, it's, it's, excuse me, my dogs are going. No, no, you're good. Said. No worries. Um, I had done, you know, I had done a lot of courses and, and obviously, you know, acting school. Mm-hmm. Did did Which that? Was, I guess took up the bulk of the bulk of my education in in this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to also um, go to the beginning, sort of before you mm-hmm. know you got into acting and also directing and producing, because you started off as an amateur boxer for about I a did. decade before you moved here to LA. Um, you I said did. that acting was your you know first love. Um, what was boxing a hobby that you sort of were doing in the meantime until you felt like you were able to, you know, make the move over to LA? Um, um, it wasn't a hobby. I would say, I would say that it was more of, so I started boxing when I was 11 years old mm-hmm. and it was, it was the first thing that gave me confidence in life. And it was the first thing that really helped me kind of stand on my own kind of thing. Um, if that makes sense, it was, yeah. you know, I was, I was going through you know, a rough time at the time and, uh, you know, I really kind of needed something and boxing was that for me. Um, it, it, it created like a self-esteem in me and and really just helped me become the person that I wanted to be and, and helped me like realize that I could become the person that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So what was that moment, I guess, um, when, you know, after a decade or so as a um, amateur boxer growing up, you know, in Sydney, when was that moment where you were like, okay, like I need a, I need to move to LA. That, that didn't come until I didn't make the move until I was about 22. Mm-hmm. Um, what had happened was when I finished high school, I decided that I was going to go travel for a year um, mm-hmm. around Europe. So I ended up backpacking around Europe for a couple of months And I took a year off from kind of doing anything. I had no idea what I wanted to be, really. Um, You know, the boxing thing was there. Other things were kind of there. I I tried to do other things, but nothing really felt like it was the thing that, you know, woke me up in the morning and I just had to do. Right. Um, And as I was traveling, you know, I had a lot of self-respect reflection and it was there was one constant thing in my life that always amazed me and always that I could always go back to and all it was and it was always film and television mm-hmm. you know if I was always amazed with how these people who made these movies and these shows could could, could create an entire world 
and have it shown on a screen. They could create, you could, they could go anywhere at any time and create all these different kinds of people and bring it to life for audiences. And mm-hmm. that whole thing just fascinated me. So that was the major constant in my life. And then after that, as I was traveling, I said, you know what? I, you really can do anything you put your mind to. You just got to kind of try. So I said to myself, when I get home, I'm going to take an acting class. And I'm going to go for it. So I, I did just that. I got back to Australia. I took an acting class. And then a year later, I got my first job, which was called Newcastle. And that film made its world premiere at Tribeca Film Festival in New York in 2008. And mm-hmm. that's what brought me over here. Mm-hmm. And that was that. Was that. I, I, I got off the plane in L.A. because I arrived in L.A. before New York. And I got off the plane and I, was, I said to myself, I'm, I'm not going home. This is, this is what I want to do. And so right. I'm, I'm going to do it. Right. And fast forward 12 years later. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, before I, you know, go to my last question, which is just on the future, I also wanted to um, bring up something which I I feel like was a very pivotal um, role for you, um, which is you being able to land this very major role in um, the Amazon series Bosch. I I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, You know, this is this is a role where you were in several episodes in, in during season five. How did that feel? Because I know that prior to that, you would do, you know, on shows, maybe an episode here, an episode there, but never feel like grounded in a show and feel like you could really, you know, dig your heels into. So what was it like being able to land that role? And I, I guess working on that show, I must, I, I must think it, felt much different from what you've done in the past it did it it was a fantastic experience working on that television show was one of the best experiences i've had working on a television show ever um right down to everybody involved the crew the everybody the cast they're just such a stand-up group of people um that it was an absolute joy to work on there's there's zero ego in the in when it comes to making that show everybody's just really pulled together to make this incredible show that you that you see and it's it's a real team um Mm -hmm. and you know i got the majority of my scenes were pretty much all of them were with uh, titus welliver who plays bosch and man I gotta tell you, being able to sit there every day and seeing that guy work, he's mm-hmm. he's phenomenal. He's a real pro, um, and just so generous, also. So it was it was one of the greatest experiences. And then to be able to to do it for a long period of time, it was it was great because you could really kind of sink your teeth into this character into this storyline and and see where it could take you so i i had an absolute blast on that show yeah 
and another Amazon Prime. Another uh, Amazon project. Prime. Yeah, with this yes. and Mighty Oak, you're very prominent on that streaming service. Exactly. And actually, you know what? I think Pentea is owned by Amazon Prime. Don't quote oh, me wow. on that, but I think I think it I, I think it is. So they there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so um, before we end things, I just want to um, ask you. You know, I know this is a very uncertain time. Obviously, you're. It's a lot of downtime for you personally right now. Um, but do you have anything that's sort of out there in the ether, or something that you possibly could be working on once you know this simmers down with COVID? Uh, I have a couple things up my sleeve that I'm could potentially be working on um, very soon. We just have to see what happens. Um, see how the things play out over the next couple months and 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 what could what could happen from there um you know i'm excited to go back to work safely of course yeah um i don't want to rush it for safety reasons but right. i am really excited to go back to work so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what's possible absolutely and um Real quick, I guess, before we um, end this, I, I do want to also um, touch on the production company that you co-founded, Glass Horse Films, um, yeah. with uh, with your partner, Lamar. How how did this come about with wanting to start your own production company? Was it something as a result of Lake Alice and feeling comfortable behind the camera and wanting to do more projects behind the camera? Yeah, it just, it just came from wanting to create more content. Yeah, it came from wanting to create more content and wanting to, like I said before, make really good projects with really good people. Um, Lamar is, she's such a close. She's like family to us. You know, she's my son's godmother. She's mm. uh, one of our closest friends, and and that's you know I like to work with people that I love. You know, so. It's it's really great, and we're we're working on some things. So so it's looking like hopefully COVID will start to simmer down a little bit more, and and, and we can get things going again. That's great. Well, that's really hopeful that you have you have things out there that you're ready to jump on once this all ends. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, th- thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time to chat with me. I really I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Hollywood podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.